Little did you know you are strong, smart, insightful, beautiful, hilarious, loyal, and loved. The podcast you need to navigate your 20s. Little did you know with Shelby Eastwood. start off this episode by me getting something off my chest. Do you want to know what absolutely irks me? When you leave a situation, okay, and it was better for you, so to speak. You leave that situation and you've been gone, let's say for eight months, maybe a year, all right, and you find out after, let's say, after the... uh, significant period of time the people in the area that you left are still talking about you still gossiping about you literally making rumors can somebody please tell me what the purpose of that is like seriously why first of all why that's what i want to understand two aren't we past all of that high school drama and gossiping and stuff like that three what business is it of anybody and the funny part is the rumors and the gossiping that was going around both of them which I found which I found out what they were were not even true (laughs) like apparently I got I got a message being like so you moved to uh Thunder Bay and I was like what the fuck what and then the same person was like oh I also heard you got married I was like what (laughs) there was no indication that I've moved to Thunder Bay there was no indication that I've gotten married. <laughs> Nothing. So, like, where is this stemming from? And also, I haven't talked to anybody from that place that I left. So, like, why? How? How? Why is this even a topic of conversation? I haven't even been there. You know what I mean? If I was there and I was absent all of a sudden, sure. Okay, I understand that a little bit more. But I literally haven't been there. <laughs> So that's what I don't understand. And then I was talking to somebody else and they heard the same rumors and I was like, I literally haven't been there. Why are you talking about me? I don't understand. And where they got those ideas from in the first place literally baffled my, my, my brain. Like, if I had gotten married, you would have known because I would have posted pictures and I'd be wearing a hell of a gorgeous dress. First of all, right? Like, duh. Second of all, where did the Thunder Bay come from? Like, I don't understand that. For those of you who don't know, Thunder Bay is literally in the middle of nowhere, northern, 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 northern Ontario, on the border of Ontario and Manitoba. Literally in the middle of nowhere. Don't know where Thunder Bay came from. I am not living in Thunder Bay. But apparently that was a rumor going around, so we can just assume that I live in Thunder Bay. You know what? Yeah, well, I live in Thunder Bay. Yeah, sure. Come find me now, people. Just, I don't understand. Like, what is the purpose of gossiping and talking about somebody who's not there and spreading rumors it's literally like that's literally why I left in the first place like I haven't been there in eight months why are you still talking about me like that's why I left is because you talk about me and make up things that are not true so yeah I just had to get that off of my chest I spoke to my therapist about it and she's like well why is this like why are you angry about this and I'm like because why are they why is my name in their mouth and she's like but can you control that and I was like no but it still makes me angry <sighs> still working on letting that control piece go but oh it just makes me so angry anyway um so that's my rant of the morning
please let me know. Please tell me if I'm not alone or not. And that I just like I just don't understand the purpose, especially as grown adults. You know what I mean? Like it's just fucking stupid. Anyway, um, I have a great guest today. Her name is Charlene and Charlene Madden, and she's gonna come on and tell her story. Um, just a disclaimer: it um, might be a bit triggering to some people, um, but I'm super excited for this conversation and I hope you guys are too so let's take a break and then we'll talk with Charlene. Hello Charlene how are you? I'm excellent thank you thanks for having me. Thanks for for coming on with me and taking time out of your it's pretty early when we're recording this so (laughs) thanks for for doing this this morning with me where are you anyway? I am in British Columbia, so I'm right on the Alberta-British Columbia border. Okay, very cool. Um, my mom lives out in, in Alberta, so and my dad's from BC, so that's that's cool. Have you are you from there? I'm actually from Ontario originally. Oh, really? Whereabouts in Ontario? Uh, um, I lived in a small town called Durham. Yeah, I know. I know where that. I grew up in a small town too, called Petawawa. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. What what uh, made you go out to BC? Oh, that's all part of my story. I, uh, yeah, thought making a change across the country would um, create the change in my life that I was looking for, but that's just geography. (laughs) Well, let's start off with that. Let's start with your story and, like, what you do, what inspired you to do what you do, your backstory. Tell me everything. Um, I am a women's empowerment coach. I do speaking, and I also host a workshop. A women's empowerment workshop and what led me to this point of my life is um, because about six years ago I was at a point where I was two days away from taking my life it was a weekend and I had bought tickets to go to a women's workshop I didn't really want to go but a friend of mine was going and she kept pressuring me to go because she didn't want to go by herself so I showed up at the event, and I actually had a hunting rifle in the back seat of my car uh, because I had planned that the following Monday I was going to take my own life. Oh, wow. And what had got me to this point was, um, as I said, I was from Ontario. I was born into a pretty dysfunctional family, uh, which most of us can relate to. I was going to say, yeah, uh, <laughs> I hear that. Yeah. <laughs> and... Um, When I was about three and a half, my parents separated. My father had been a severe alcoholic and had been extremely violent with my half-brothers. And my mom made a decision to separate, and she took my brothers, and my sister and I stayed with my dad. Being a severe alcoholic, of course, he was in no position to care for two little girls. My sister was four years older than myself, so she was seven. So he made a call to my grandparents, my mom's parents, and asked if they would take us in. And my grandmother, without skipping a beat, said, absolutely, we'll take the kids. Uh, My grandmother, to me, was kind of a a saint. She was an extremely strong woman, uh, believed. I always said she was farther ahead for her time than she should have been. She firmly believed in, in women getting education, being independent, looking after themselves. And I probably learned that lesson a little too well. I look at down the, in my, my uh, the future I was going to live in. I learned that lesson of being independent too well. <laughs> and 
Uh, so we went to live with my grandparents, and as wonderful as my grandmother was, my grandfather, on the other hand, was a pedophile. Oh, my. And um, so I started getting sexually abused by my grandfather at the age of three and a half. And this actually carried on for nine years. It, wow. It finally came out when I was about 12 and a half. And it came out by my sister, who was, as I said, four years older than myself. She had been experiencing the worst of the abuse. And she basically had a mental breakdown at school. She was in high school. So everything came out at that point. So my grandparents divorced. Uh, my grandfather went to jail for a very short, short period of time. And um, we tried to adapt to this new life. Um, the uh, difficult part was is that I never really received any counseling. Yeah. And uh, maybe this is because this is the 80s. Yeah. Um, I remember sitting in the social worker's office and just getting a pat on the back by the social worker, you know, in, in a kind and comforting way saying, don't worry, you're going to be okay. But that was it. There was no real follow up to it. Wow. And as a kid who is just, you know, coming into her early teens, I'm now going to start high school. I didn't feel like anything was okay. Yeah. Because now the only family that I really knew um, was shattered. You know, so I've come from a broken home of my parents, now my grandparents, that family's fallen apart. So I go into high school and I am struggling and I start dealing with um, some pretty bad depression, suicidal thoughts. Uh, I was cutting at the time. I was just trying to deal with all these emotions that I had no idea how to deal with. Mm -hmm. So my saving grace at the time was writing. I started writing poetry. It was a way to Wow. express my emotions and I always said that I I poured ink onto paper rather than blood out uh, so I started writing um, of course caught the attention of my school English teacher who sent me to the guidance counselor who then sent me to they brought in a, a school psychologist and I remember sitting for an afternoon doing tests and talking to the school psychologist and at the end of it having her pat me on the back and say um, well, I just want you to know we were diagnosing you as manic depressive bipolar. I'm 15. I have no idea what this is. And of course, this is, we're talking 1980, I'm going to say 84, 85. Yeah. And I remember getting a pat on the back and going, don't worry, you're going to be okay. And I was like, why does everybody keep telling me I'm going to be okay? Because I don't feel okay. Oh, my. And there was no real follow-up. There was nothing, you know, come talk to us if you need yeah. someone to talk to. Well, that was the last thing I wanted to do. I didn't want to keep reliving all this crap I had been living. And uh, so I just kind of threw myself into school. Um, it was my way of, of just trying to numb everything out. Mm -hmm. And I also started drinking heavily as a teenager. Graduated high school, moved away. I actually moved to Kitchener-Waterloo in Ontario and thought... If I just move away, everything will be better. Mm -hmm. And again, this was my pattern of geography, thinking that if I just left the situation, things would improve. Um, I actually moved with my high school sweetheart, and um, we ended up buying a house, having three beautiful children together. Oh, wow. But I hadn't done any work. Yeah. So everything was just continually getting buried deep within. And when I was 28, I started to have 
I would call it a nervous breakdown. I um, was getting suicidal again. And I was terrified that my kids were going to come home from school and find me dead because I knew that was the, where all of this was leading to. So what did I do? I left my marriage and I left my household. Oh, wow. Um, I didn't take my kids because I knew I wasn't mentally in any shape to raise kids at this point. I, didn't, I just moved into my mother-in-law's house and um, thought I'll just, you know, work on myself, which of course I didn't do. Uh, I was only separated from a month when I met someone else and got into another relationship. My marriage at this point had basically and ended anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got to a relationship with someone who was in the same mental state that I was, extremely dysfunctional, mm-hmm. heavy drinker. Uh, he was uh, using drugs at the time that I wasn't aware of. Um, that relationship turned extremely um, violent. There was domestic violence in the relationship. And I got to a point after one evening of being abused that I decided I was going to end my life. I took every pill I could find and wow. he had back injury. So there was pain medication in the house. So I took all these pills sat down to write my goodbye letters to my children, which if you've ever had to do, which I hope you've never had, is an extremely difficult uh, process to go through. But that process saved my life because as I was writing those letters, I realized that I was abandoning my children the same way I felt my parents had abandoned me. So I called a cab, went to the emergency room, collapsed in the... um, at the registration desk. And when I woke up, I had tubes down my throat. Oh, wow. And my mom had been contacted by my partner at the time. He told her what happened. My mom was like, I think you need to move out west. Let's get you, bring the kids out. We'll help you get, make a fresh start. And I thought, yeah, great. That's what a fantastic idea. I'll just move across the country and run away from all my problems again (laughs) as the pattern continues. So I moved. Uh, Six months later, the partner who I had been with decided he was going to move out and make the relationship work. Of course, that didn't happen because neither of us had done any work. So the abuse continued. His drug use continued. uh, And in 2015, the relationship finally ended. And um, I thought, okay, this is a chance for me to make a fresh start. Uh, try to start working on myself and two and a half months after he had moved out I had a police officer show up at my work and um, this had been a, a police officer who had been involved in a domestic dispute we had been in and he brought me outside and informed me that my partner had committed suicide oh wow so my world kind of just crumbled at that point um He had raised my kids for like 13 years, so he was the closest to a dad that they had. So it was extremely difficult for them. So I'm trying to process all of these emotions that I'm going through, and I start to get really angry. And, you know, I remember talking to my best friend, and she's like, anger is one of the stages of grief. Like, it's okay. And I said, no, you don't understand. I'm not angry he took his life. I'm angry he did it first. Oh, wow. Because it took the opportunity I felt I had to take my own life was now gone because now I was left picking up the pieces. Mm-hmm. I saw the devastation and the pain that was caused by this action. And 
I felt robbed of that. Uh, so fast forward a year, I have tried to keep the darkness at bay the best that I could. I have purchased the house and at this time I'm seeing a psychiatrist and she was so excited for me that I was buying a house because she thought, oh, you're making plans for the future. I'm so thrilled for you. And I thought, you have no clue. I'm buying this house to leave this to my kids. This is all I'm going to have to leave my kids is this house. Um, so I moved into the house in the in September and fast forward the month later, I'm attending the workshop and that is the weekend that I'm going to take my life. I walked into that workshop. I kind of felt sick to my stomach because I'm looking at all these women in there and they look strong, they look confident, they look excited for their future. And here I am just trying to get through two days. I just need to get through two days so that I can end my life. And I wasn't expecting anything. Listen to the first couple speakers, one's talking about finances. I'm thinking that's not an issue for me anymore. <laughs> Uh, health and fitness. I'm like, yeah, that's not an issue for me. And then the next speaker gets up and she starts talking about self-love. And I am listening to her and I can hear this little voice in the back of my head, like, what about you? And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, how different would your life have been or could it be if you actually just loved yourself instead of needing that validation from the people around you, the, the parent, what you didn't get from your parents, from your grandfather, from the relationship. What if you just loved yourself enough? And I kind of just brushed it off. And the next speaker gets up and she starts talking about living with mental illness and how she had struggled for over 20 years with uh, depression and suicidal thoughts. And she had made a change and realized that this was something she was going to have to live with. She kind of understood that it was part of her and that she loved that part of her as well. And I thought, you know, again, I can hear that little voice in the back of my head and I'm thinking, yeah, how different could your life be if we could learn to live with this, you know, instead of fighting it, accepting it as part of who we are yeah. and living through it. And then the next speaker got up and he talked about being, uh, addicted to painkillers, uh, drinking, and he was trying to find that perfect mix of pain medication and alcohol so that he could just overdose because he was a life insurance salesman, so he knew he had to make it look like an accident. And he was talking about being just minutes away from overdosing with his kids in the house when he made that call, got help, and his entire life changed. And now he took his story and was sharing it to help other people who felt alone in that dark space that they were in. Wow. And now this little voice that I had been hearing was so loud going, what about you? And it was like in that moment that everything changed. I was like, what if I could love myself? What if I could live with this? And what if I could take my struggles that I know other people are going through and I could share it and be raw and be authentic and say, I see you. I know what you're going through and it's okay. You can get through it. And it was in that moment, everything changed. Like that moment saved my life. Wow. And, um, and so now I go out and that's what I do. I go out and I share my story. I actually went to that workshop the following year. I went back and that was my first live speaking engagement. Wow. And I spoke and shared with everybody who was there how that event the year before 
had saved my life. And I remember saying as I was, you know, getting ready to come off the stage, my purpose and my passion in life now is just to save one life. If everything I have gone through, every crappy experience I've had can save one life by me sharing it, then it makes it all worthwhile. Every bit of pain and struggle I went through. And when I got off the stage, I had a woman approach me and she said, you know how you said you wanted to save a life? I just want you to know that today you did. And she turned and walked away. And I thought... I had like goosebumps. <laughs> I know. I, I know. I get goosebumps every time I say it. But I was like, hey, mission accomplished. Let's go save one more life. <laughs> and so now that is that is what I do. I just go out and wow. share and, you know, let people know it's okay to be messed up. Mm-hmm. But it's just not okay to stay that way. And how are you now? Life is fabulous now. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, it was... It was from that moment that I made the decision that I was going to live. That mm-hmm. this was, you know, it's like, all right, this is decision made. There's no, we're not going back on it. Within that year to when I spoke, I published my book of poetry, oh, wow. which I had compiled for all those years of, of the trauma. I said, let's, let's publish this. Let's put this out here and let's pull your chest open and risk, you know, judgment. Because it's who you are. It's what you experience. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I, I published that book. I started doing speaking engagements. I started dealing, or well, I was doing little small little talks, but I um, started doing things that scared me because I realized how much I had let fear control my life. Mm-hmm. I jumped out of an airplane. I asked someone out on a date because I had been so afraid of, of rejection and and, you know, my first date had been in a December 2nd. And then August of the next year, I got married to that man. Wow. So it was like that moment when I said, you know what? I'm going to love myself no matter what. I felt almost like a collective sigh from the universe. And it said, all right, it's about time. Let's go. I love that. Like it, everything started falling into place. And wow. That's, that's where I'm at now. Have you ever thought about, like applying to do a TED talk I feel like you should put your story in a TED talk to be honest <laughs> like uh, that's you know that would be a, a goal like I just have. listening I mean, to you list. like I'm like just <laughs> just listening to you I have goosebumps everywhere like I'm like trying not to cry like oh my gosh wow 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 yeah well just you know for me it's just being able to reach as many people as I can yeah that's my goal. That's my passion. Jeez, I, I was wow. Yes. <laughs> um, and your kids are okay now too. My kids are okay. Yeah. Good. Um, Good. Being going through the struggles that I went through, of course, I wasn't. Um, I wasn't necessarily the best mom in the world, and and I, you know, and I own that. Mm-hmm. Um, both of my daughters suffer from mental illness struggles themselves. Um, my son, he's, he's doing okay. He's just, you know, plugging through life. Um, but you know, I remember sitting down with my daughter and it kind of made me reflect on, you know, what my mom went through and the choices that she had to make, because that's the thing of generational trauma, right? Until you stop it, it'll just keep repeating. And I realized that I had repeated the same stuff my mom had. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my mom had actually been sexually abused by her father as well. Oh, wow. So it was it was generational sexual abuse down the, the road. So 
I looked at myself and I remember sitting with my daughter and saying, you know, I really did the best I could with the tools that I had. Mm-hmm. And that was the biggest part for me was being able to forgive myself. Like, yeah, I wasn't, a, I wasn't a perfect mom. I did the best I could. I was always a working mom. I always had to work full time. So I, you know, I just gave myself the grace to know that I did the best I could with what I had at the time. Yeah. And being able to have those conversations. I mean, my kids are all, you know, my oldest daughter is, she's going to be 29 this year. Um, so being able to sit down and have those conversations as adults now. Oh, is for sure. Valuable. And, and owning it. Yeah. And not being ashamed of it. Yeah. So. That's something I find even with my parents too and the stuff that I've gone through having like I'm waiting for them to own it and that I feel like that's the hardest part is waiting for like your parent to own it because it's that's a hard thing to do and I've seen it with my own parents Uh, and and understanding that that's where the healing comes from exactly and I mean and and understanding everybody's got a different perspective Mm -hmm. and a different take on what happened yeah I mean two different kids in a family can have a different perspective on what their childhood childhoods were like yeah you know, and, and understanding this is how your parents, you know, like my mom saw the decisions she made one way, I see them another way. But I mean, for me, forgiving, like I have forgiven everybody involved in the situation. You know, I, I, I've forgiven my grandfather, I've forgiven my mom, my dad's, you know, both my grandfather and my father passed away now. My grandmother's passed away, but I still have my mom and my mom and I's relationship is closer than it's ever been. That's, so. that's amazing. That's so good. Did you notice when you... Um married the man you were talking about that you met in December and then you married in August did you notice that like you brought I don't want to say I don't want to call it like baggage but we'll we'll call it baggage did you like bring that traumatic baggage with you into that we we do as you know every relationship that we go into we're bringing some kind of baggage Mm -hmm. with us good or bad because we're you know we we carry these beliefs and my my biggest thing was I understood, um, and again, this is the, the independence part that I said I learned from my grandmother. I, I love, you know, my relationship with my husband is absolutely amazing, but I'm probably a little too independent for his liking, <laughs> which um, thank goodness he's so patient with me for, because, you know, I'm like, no, I can do everything on my own. And he, he's reminding me that I don't have to. Yeah. So every relationship you enter into, it's a learning experience because you're two different people know that are they're coming together and learning how would you how would you recommend people not let that past baggage sabotage their current relationship or like their future relationships i preach radical honesty Mm. that is probably the biggest thing that has made a change on my life so and that's like getting honest from everything the impact that our past have had on us how it's affecting our lives now um so being really honest about what happened why you're hanging on to it because we hang on to it for one reason or another yeah so if you're hanging on to something you're getting something emotionally out of that so really looking at uh, at ourselves and not looking at the other person because that's what we tend to do we tend to look at the other person but really looking inside and saying okay what what am I hanging on to why am I getting triggered by this mm. and uh, and doing the work it's it's yeah. every day it's work so Something I've noticed, too, with, like, people my age, because I'm only 27, something I've noticed is, like, people either don't like to talk about their feelings or things about that happened to them in the past because they're either too proud or, like, they're too ashamed of it. It's normally one or the other um, or somewhere in the middle. What what advice would you give 
people to help them open up more and not be either so ashamed about what happened or too proud to share? Um, being too proud to share is, it's not pride. Mm-hmm. It's, it's fear. Most of what we mm-hmm. do and where it comes from comes, stems from fear. Yeah. Um, it's like they try, it's like they try to keep that stoic, like persona. Yeah, exactly. I mean, because sharing things like this and being extremely vulnerable mm-hmm. can, can people feel that's kind of weakness. Yeah. And I, yeah. I think it takes incredible strength. Oh, me too. You feel like being strong. This is as strong as it can be is putting yourself out there and getting back to the helping yourself help or helping other people helps you help yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, by me coming out and sharing my struggles, um, I'm, I know that I'm helping other people. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and if I can save one person from going through a day of darkness, like I went through, that's what matters to me. So um, finding support groups and in this day and age that we're in, social media can be good and bad, but yeah. it also provides access to organizations where there can be a little anonymity to it. True. Um, you don't have to go sit in a room. You can talk virtually with someone. You don't have to give your real name, anything like that. So if you're not comfortable opening up to someone in purpose or in person, find some something virtual. Find someone you can connect to because connection is what heals. Yeah. So connection with yourself and connection with it, someone in the outside world. Uh, absolutely. And the, after you were talking about your story, I know I sent you um, some things that maybe we could we could discuss, but you were telling your story and it reminded me of something. So um, I had a student one year and she had gone through foster care and her family situation was not the best either. And she was open about that, like she had shared that. And kids in the class bullied her severely because of that. And I know that that's, that's a real thing. And, and she had come to me once and she, she was like, Hey, like so-and-so said this. And, and so I had to have a discussion with them, but like, what would you say to her in that moment after also having gone through like that whole dysfunctional family thing? Like, what would you say to her in that moment? Uh, again, I would just preach self-love, mm. you know, it's, you know, how do you, how did, number one, getting really present with and mindful of how you're feeling in the moment. It's like, well, how did that make you feel? Yeah. Because when we can be aware of how we're feeling and then questioning it, it's like, okay, so how did you feel? Well, I felt really crappy because it made me feel, well, why did it make you feel that way? And again, like getting into the self-love and understanding that, you know what, do you like, do you like you? Because that's where you need to start from. Like if, if you like you, people are always going to have an opinion. Oh yeah. And there's always, you know, it's never going to stop. Bullying doesn't stop. And that's what I'm trying to, that's what I tried to like preach to them. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, this carries on, you know, it's, it's, we live in a a caring, but cruel world, right? You know, like we always, we, we preach about not bullying in school, but then we bully as adults. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, I've experienced it. (laughs) Bullying is just, again, bullying is just, fear, fear and, and self-loathing, you know, mm-hmm. like if you can tear someone else down, it makes you feel better about yourself. So 
just learning that that self-love to me was was the most valuable it just it hurt my heart so much because like she's young right like they're I I teach younger younger kids and so for her to like recognize that I was just like oh and then you tell me your story and I'm just like oh it's it's literally like what I just saw in one of my students (laughs) Uh well and I mean and that's where you prop up it's like yeah it is an incredible self-awareness right so Mm -hmm. you know no for sure absolutely um how did you kind of deal did you you kind of mentioned it, but like, did you deal with, with people judging you and bullying you because of your past? Um, no, because I found a group that I fit in with Mm. in school. Um, I was the leather jacket, hairsprayed hair, heavy metal music. No one was fucking with you. (laughs) Every weekend, you know, right. Walking around acting super tough. Yeah. Because then people stayed away from yeah. me, you know, like getting into fights all the, you know, <laughs> in school. And because if I could just put this protective shell around myself, then everybody would, would leave me alone and I would be safe. Yeah, so. no one would mess with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mis- misery loves company is a thing, right? Fair, fair. But I mean, if it, if it was a strategy that worked and like nobody bullied you from it, like at least you didn't have to experience that aspect. <laughs> yeah. For sure. If you could, something I like to ask um, all my guests, and I'm very curious as to your answer um, based on everything that you've kind of gone through. Um, Before I ask you, I just want to say thank you for being so honest and vulnerable and open. Um, And I know that you share it with everybody, but I just really appreciate you having the courage to keep sharing the story. Because I know for me, sometimes when I talk about my past, like I get very anxious and, and even like a hot, sweaty mess when I talk about what happened to me. And so for you able to do it so courageously and so authentically like I really appreciate that um if you could go back and tell your 20 year old self anything what would you tell her (laughs) yeah that's a great question I would tell myself to invest money sooner (laughs) I always think that it's like invest wisely left Um, life lesson number one (laughs) no I think if if I could do anything I would I would tell myself that I am worthy of love. Mm. I deserve love. But it has to start within. I had mm. to start loving myself. Because I think if I would have loved myself at 20, I wouldn't have gone through the situations I went through because I would have mm. been able to establish clear boundaries on what I deserved and what I didn't deserve. I wouldn't have stayed so long in, in a dysfunctional, abusive relationship. I wouldn't have you know, drank myself almost to oblivion just to numb the pain. I would have dealt with things. So I would have just told myself that, you know what, you are worth it. You don't need anybody else to, to validate you and, and just love yourself. So. What are some tips that you do to continue with that, um, with that self-love piece? I do a lot of journaling. Mm-hmm. I, um, I love, again, I love to write and, um, so I think I just, I brain dump because if you keep it inside, then yeah. that can be toxic as well. So I do being the same able thing. to purge that out and, um, and, and getting clear. But again, as I said, being really honest with myself yeah. and being, you know, being mindful of my emotions and what I'm getting triggered by and, and why. And, um, and just focusing on my breathing. Oh. That's going to sound strange, no, but I, a- I went to, uh, about two years ago, I went to a, uh, a place called the Haven. It's out on Gabriola Island. And I spent a week there in kind of a retreat. 
and by my second day in, my chest hurt so bad, and I realized it was because I was actually breathing for the first time. Oh, wow. If that makes any sense. No, I was, yeah. I wasn't just breathing to exist. I was really being aware of my breathing, and by being able to be aware of my breathing, I was getting out of that, you know, I was balancing my parasympathetic, sympathetic nervous system, so... Just being able to take a second, take a breath, and, and calm myself has been pretty valuable. So. That's so awesome. That's so good. Um, where can my listeners find you? Where are you? Tell me everything. How can they, like, listen to your talks and I'm everything? in my office right now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Fly to BC. Um, <laughs> you can find me on Facebook. Um, my Facebook page is Charlene Madden, speaker and author. Um, I am on Instagram, Charlene Ann Madden. You can find me on Twitter, Madden Author. Um, I am just jumping into TikTok. Again, I'm, I'm tur- just turning 50 this summer, so um, that is kind of new and adventurous for me, but that's what life is all about, coming out of our comfort zones and doing different things. And I, every year I run my workshop. It's called Ignite Your Life BC. Uh, this year we did it virtually, or I should say last year we did it virtually. So um, if you want to get access to some amazing speakers, that would be uh, an event you wouldn't want to miss. And then they can look for that on your website? Yeah, you can check it out. I have a Facebook page for it, Ignite Your Life BC. Oh, perfect, so, perfect. Yeah. No, yeah, def- definitely. And I'm, I think I followed you on Instagram. I can't remember, but I will check make sure I do because your story is very inspiring and I really appreciate um, you sharing it with us. Yeah, and thank you for doing this platform. I always make sure I like to say, hey, you know, like providing a platform for people to hear stories because story is so powerful. Mm -hmm. So for you doing this, you could be saving a life. Oh, so keep doing what you're doing. Thank you, Charlene. I really appreciate it. And enjoy the rest of your your day because you have all day ahead of you now. So (laughs) you as well. I appreciate it. Take care. Thanks. Okay. Bye bye. Bye. She's so sweet. I love that she was able to share her story. It was so heartbreaking, but like, it's important to hear. And I'm really happy to hear that Charlene's life is fantastic now and she's doing great. It's just, those are important conversations to have and they're hard conversations to have. And um, she's just so sweet and kind. But I want to finish this episode off with something I'm super proud of about myself. So I love food and love to eat and if we're talking about it being the time to love yourself and stuff like that um I've never ever had an issue with food in my life not allergic to anything I love to eat all the time love to eat everything um love cheese but I have not eaten cheese in two almost three weeks now every single day last week I had a banana either a banana peanut butter spinach or strawberry spinach smoothie breakfast and a kale salad for dinner and either fish and broccoli or um a kale shrimp um kalamata olives type salad thingy with red wine vinaigrette and i've eaten healthy every single day and i'm super proud of myself um mind you by the time like two o'clock rolls around i'm starving marvin and i really really just want like a juicy hamburger or greasy pizza but I'm going to try to push for like another week before I can get a treat Um, but I'm very proud of myself for that and I just find that 
because I've been so busy, I haven't hit the gym as much as I wanted to, even though I'm coaching volleyball and stuff. And like, I probably get to the gym like two or three times a week if I'm lucky, just because I have so much going on. Again, another reason why I can't wait till the summer. Um, but I am proud of the fact that because I haven't been able to go to the gym as much that I have been able to change my eating habits this week, which I'm super proud of. And um, even like in the evening time, when I'm hungry or I want a snack, all I have had was a small bowl of frozen, like that frozen berry mix or cherry, blueberry, and blackberries. Um, that's all I would eat in the evenings, and I'm super proud of myself. And I just wanted to share that because it's something positive, and it's something that I, I'm not going to say I necessarily love, but I do love the fact that I've been able to keep it up for a week. So that's awesome. Um, but yeah. I hope you guys enjoyed it this week. Um, yeah, we are going to take a break next week because it's Easter Monday. Um, so everybody can have a week to just spend time with your families, eat good food, and um, I will see you guys after Easter. So have a great long weekend. Happy Easter, everybody, and uh, we'll chat in a few weeks.